0: Everything's waiting for you, you just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan, this is the Get Off The Bench podcast, and here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Today I've got a great guest and somebody who just, you know, let life happen, just sort of went with the flow and, you know, took off on a journey, bought a camper van and just sort of took off and never really had any plans about what life might look like. But now she's built this incredible space for people, for the community. And sometimes I think we just need to... I don't know you know you know just jump in our camper van and just go and let life happen to us and I I know we should make plans at times and I really do believe in a self determined life you know what is it that we want to do but sometimes I think that Uh, we get a little bit too specific because I have to be a photographer, I have to be a teacher, I have to do this, have to do that. Sometimes I think we just need to make this self-determined life as in I want a life of joy, I want to bring stuff to other people, I want to make a better world and you know that that's the kind of life we try to build um, no matter what kind of activities fit into that and just have an umbrella if that makes sense to people, it makes sense to me, but some people might think I'm a little bit loopy, but I love that philosophy. But let me tell you about Sophie, who's on today. Sophie Wilch is the founder and director of Shedding Community Workshop, Inc. Sophie established Shedding as a not-for-profit organization in 2018 through her own passion for carpentry and building, but most of all, a passion for people and well-being. Shedding's aim is to provide a unique, supportive and hands-on environment for all members of the community to come together and develop sustainable skills in carpentry, building and everything in between. It's a place to shed your fears and build with curiosity. In the third year of Sophie's degree, she had the opportunity to join the Design Construct Program, coordinated by architect-builder David Morris. The group headed out to a small town in the Australian desert to construct a number of buildings they had designed and prefabricated at the university workshop. A couple of years later, Sophie ventured off on a trip up the coast, but her engine had a major tantrum, and she ended up on the side of the road in Mullumbimby. With a dream to start a little carpentry business, she had just a square, a handsaw, a drill, and a block of sandpaper. This was the beginning of the shedding journey. Taking all she has learned from mentors, Sophie and her crew have supported over 500 students and have watched the community come together to support the organization because they too share the same dream. Wow. Welcome, Sophie. Hi, Karen. Great to see you. Thanks for having me here. Oh, great to see you too. Thanks for coming. I absolutely love your story. I think, you know, it's... um. It's one of, well, it's it's courage, it's resilience, it's passion, it's, you know, um, taking a chance on life. And I just think it's um, absolutely amazing. So I'd, I, I wanted to bring you to my audience to say sometimes life doesn't go as planned and sometimes we get dropped in exactly the right place at the right time and, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's certainly been a ride. It's great to be here and I'm grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's, it's just so whereabouts you're at Mullumbimby right now
1: I am in Mullumbimby I am in the possibly one of the tiniest tiny homes in the world my very small house my, my kind of motto is like small house big life I spend lots of time outside and this is my little cocoon yeah uh, yeah that you built yourself I built that one myself I've actually built it with a a great friend who um, set up the repair cafe here many years ago. We've now got a repair cafe yeah. running at Shedding as well. Um, yeah, that was a good good mission. Tiny homes are fun to build. I like them. <laughs> I've got a friend building one. I reckon they're fantastic. So yeah. so let's have a look at
0: your journey because it, it it's it's fascinating. And I love what I love about you is this this kind of. Uh, well you're not doing it now this kind of gypsy you know it's like oh let's go let's just go and go with the flow and see where we end up so um you know your shedding journey began I mean the very start of it is when you were at uni you know and you're into your third year you got this opportunity to join the um design construction pro program with David Morris and tell us like were you doing you were doing architecture at uni when you started
1: yeah so I studied I kind of jumped straight into architecture into my bachelor and masters got a lot of architecture people in my family it runs in the blood I thought yeah okay that's what I'll do and I got into the degree and then um got into this what was an elective so it's not something you had to do but it was a design build design construct elective and and part of it that absolutely captivated me was getting on tools and the other part was driving for two days to get out to the desert, camp in Swags for a couple of weeks with 40 students and eight facilitators and build. And what was really amazing about this experience was that it was very, very um, diverse people in, in age, in gender, in culture, in spiritual beliefs, in everything. And it was just this total mash of people together who I had already been studying, studying with for three years. So I knew them well. Um, and we were in this new environment building something that had been designed by students and prefabricated by students at the university. And I just thought, in terms of architecture, I thought this is the way it's got to go. If you want to know how to design, you've got to know how to build. Mm. Uh, and also the sense of community, like camping out for a couple of weeks in the desert with 40 people no a to and be challenged and bring each other together to work hard for something that was, you know, working in the red hot sun and I just thought it was the absolute bee's knees.
0: Yeah. What were you building? Like houses for certain people or...?
1: Yes, yeah, so we were at, at a Aboriginal um, village which there's another part of this story, which is crazy white people walking into an Aboriginal community yep. thinking we know what we can do to try and help them out and make their lives so much better. Yep. Um, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, but great intent from, from the coordinators from the university, I think um, from my friends and colleagues who are running that, who were running that team, we were basically going in, the way I remember it, and this is like years and years ago now, um the way I remember it is that these men from the com- community wanted a place to go that was outside of the community um, and spend time together doing men's work, men's business. Um, and so we were creating these two structures for the young men, and then a structure in the middle for the elders, um, so that the men would come away from the town and go and stay in this space together and spend time together. Um, which. Very, you know, this was a whole new world for me getting out into the desert and being part of a community like this. Um and doing all of that work. It was crazy. Great.
0: It's fantastic. And and it is the um, we've got to be so careful of the white savior complex, don't we? We have to be um, you know, it's we've we've proven over and over that we've you know, you know, trashed trash communities with our own opinions, but I think at the same time, it's about the intent. Do you know, and when but, you yeah. intend to make life better for other people you know I don't think you can I don't think you can criticize that do you, you know it's it's about just learning as you go and 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 having the intention to make a better world and I absolutely love that you know it's just I want to do good for people and that's such a such I wish 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 more people had that in them you know that I'm going to go and do these things because I want to do good and you said before you know about you um, having architecture in your family so was it like so many people do that don't they all my all my family's doctors I'm just going to be a doctor and I'm just going to be an architect and so was it was it when you really got your hands on the tools and started building that you you went oh actually there's a whole other part that I think is much nicer than this we and you would have been unsure about the future jumping
1: yeah and this whole thing has been such a journey of finding I think people have this idea that you kind of find what you want to do and then that's it and you do that forever and I think that that is rubbish Mm. for me I I got into architecture I loved like in first year I loved designing and drawing I loved making tiny tiny little models with super glue and balsa and I'd super glue my fingers together (laughs) and I loved making I was just all those things that were really tangible and then as it got into the latter years of uni it was just a lot of time on the computer Mm. I just thought, oh, my God, I'm going to spend the rest of my life sitting at a computer in an air-conditioned building. Um, and I think something happened when I got on the tools and I was in the desert and I was dirty and sweaty and I just could really feel my body. And I'm a re- I'm quite a – like I love to feel my body. I feel strong. I feel capable. And as my I – I've got this interest in the connection between the body and the mind. When I'm using my body mm. – my mind gets activated and when I'm using my mind, my body can get activated and to really work those two together mm. um, and also work the design process, not just on a flat screen before the build, but actually like sculpt, mm. sculpt building whilst you're on site. So after I did that um, elective, the design build elective through the university in the desert, I worked for the guys that ran that team and we continued to do design build projects together and that's really, you know, when it comes to shedding, it, it's really the way I think um, is good to teach, get people to know the capacity of the tools, the capacity of themselves, how things work, how things sound, how materials respond. Um, so that it's really a human kind of tangible experience, I guess. Mm.
0: And it's great that you're a woman, and I don't mean that in a, you know, in a, but it's uh, so a woman. It so, works for me. <laughs> so lovely that you're a woman, Sophie. But it's it's um it's wonderful to see um females set up, you know, building um programs and stuff like that. And it's wonderful that other women can feel that they can come along and that their life is not limited to asking a man. You know, to do some do the building for them or doing repairs for them, and I absolutely love that. What you what you're doing is showing women that they can be whatever they want, they can do whatever they want, and I that's such. I know that you're not exclusive to women. I know that you've got a variety of people, but it's such a lovely um breakdown of stereotypes and just saying that anyone can come, anyone can build, anyone can be whatever they want, and and you're all welcome, and we love you all, and I really love that
1: about what you're doing. Yeah. The stereotypes, thank you, thank you so much. The stereotypes, I feel my blood boil when people (laughs) start talking about stereotypes and I'm so passionate about this. Coming from that place, working on the building site in the desert, I didn't realise the, I guess, the potency of that. I remember a friend, Ashmal, and she had, I don't know what they call them, When you've got your piece of material and it's covering almost everything and she's there like shoveling cement into the concrete mixer in her jeans and this beautiful white piece of material. And I just thought, yes, this is so cool. And I just I think something in my mind, I thought that that was normal. And then, you know, over the next 10 years being on building sites, I kind of got to this point where I was like, oh, I haven't worked with any women I've just been working with blokes and um, that didn't seem like a big deal to me. It just seemed like, oh, yeah, it's all all blokes here. And I liked it. It was fun. It was rough here and smoke ciggies after work and sit around a campfire. And it was really good. And I liked that camaraderie working with the men and also the kind of like, let's just get straight to it, sort of attitude. Um, But it was really interesting starting to notice something was missing and then setting up this workshop, this organization and having the opposite. We have a huge number of women coming here. Um, And what it is for me is it's mingling people, mingling like 80 year old Liz with 30 something year old Aiden. And we're talking about gender and Aiden says a non-binary and Liz says, what's that? Yeah. I think that's how we provide education to people is put them in space together where they feel safe working on something in a collective way. Um, We have a a check in at the start of every workshop um, where we say our name, how we're feeling, and I say, What do you want? What do you want from shedding? Why are you here? What do you want? and and i hear women talk of stereotypes of men taking the tools out of their hands and my dad didn't really show me this and you know i feel lesser Mm. but i hear stereotypes of men who women the tools and say oh you're a bloke with big Mm. strong muscles you put up that shelf and they're feeling emasculated Mm. and then non-binary genders who are just like well where the heck do we go and so i just our kind of motto here is to really wipe the slate clean on gender and stereotypes and really find, I love finding like the masculinity in myself, the femininity in myself. I love like putting people in these groups together. Um, in carpentry, there are just sexual innuendos everywhere. <laughs> and so we play with it. We play with all of these, like you've got screw the screw. The central part of the screw is called a shaft. And then the impact driver, the bit you put the driver bit in, is called the nipple, and so you're pulling the nipple out on your impact driver. It's just there's sexual innuendo everywhere, and I think there can be a lot of kind of, kind of just a bit of gentleness, a bit of fun around those sorts of things, and creating a space where people feel safe to say, hey, this is not okay for me, or to say, hey, that's totally fine for me. We all have different kind of um, levels of comfort, I think.
0: I love that absolutely and I so agree with you that you know rather than people telling people how it should be for certain people for everybody mm-hmm. just to come together in conversation and just you know just mingle and mix and you you accept and particularly when you're doing an activity with your hands you you you're not really focused on judging each other you know you just focus on doing the thing and listening to other people and joining in together I absolutely love it Lo- love it but you when you st- not well, it's not a but it's and you know when you um when you started you know you I, I know there's a point where you just sort of took off and said well I'm going to buy you know buy a camper van and I'm just going to take off and what what led you to that point like what was happening in that time when you said that's it I'm taking off and I'm going to see where life takes me
1: mm, yeah so I was in Adelaide I've been studying my degree Done this cool elective a bunch of times as a student and a bunch of times as a sort of volunteer coordinator. Worked for the guys that ran that crew. um, And that was all in Adelaide. And I think what happened was after doing these trips to the desert, I was like, I've got to travel. (laughs) I've got to get out and travel. And I naively fitted out a a very not high quality camper van. Um, and started my trip and, and then ended up in this region because my camper van broke down a bunch of times funny story actually my starter motor was on the fritz and there's this little trick you can do you hit it with a hammer and it gets solenoids right and I was traveling with a, a friend a very well I mean I was traveling I was just a hippie dope smoking you know living life freely and just bumming off Centrelink the whole time um so we'd kind of each time we started the car just give it a little tap give it a little tap and then you know over the course of a few weeks he we needed a bit more and then I ended up breaking down in Glen Innes and getting towed up here because my partner at the time his mum lived in Mullumbimby and she said oh come stay with me and took my car to the mechanic because it just carped it he opened my bonnet no he didn't because the engine was under the seats he lifted up the seats and he looked inside and he said whoa this is crazy you've got a crack in your cylinder head but it looks like someone's been smashing it with a hammer (laughs) and I said oh gosh I can't imagine why would anybody do that (laughs) I didn't have the balls to tell him and anyway as such we're going to be running some car maintenance course car maintenance at shedding I I since hang out with a lot of um, mechanical friends to learn all about my vehicle because that was just you know one of those things it's quite is how a lot of people have ended up in this region I think by some sheer sort of fluke or accident or you know the universe doing whatever the universe does which is magic yeah, um, yeah so that's that's the truth of it nothing to be too proud of but Always a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a bloody good story, but sounds. Yeah, it sounds like
0: Mullumbimby is a kind of place to land. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna break down somewhere in Australia,
1: do it in Mullumbimby. It's certainly the place to kind of stumble and fool upon.
0: Yeah, sounds like a lot of people have. I, I love that story. Oh, did you? Did you? Uh, so you, you land in Mullumbimby, and then did you decide, well, I'm only going to stay here for a very short time while my car gets fixed, and then I'm going to take off. Or did you say, hey,
1: I actually like this. I'm going to set this up as my home. Yeah, I completely fell in love. So I I landed here. My van was stuffed. I was (laughs) sleeping in it. I was getting around town on the BMX and I was hitchhiking and I was pretty much, to be honest, I did people do when they arrive here. I sat on the beach smoking dope, playing guitar and telling the world that I didn't need a job ever. And then at some point, I'd actually discovered the NIECE program, New Enterprise Initiative Scheme. It's the way for Centrelink to get you off <laughs> those payments and starting your own business. And it was actually really good. I learned how to start a business. And I, I set up a business called Upcycled by Sophie. And I was basically taking pallets. I was taking timbers from building skips. I was um, living in a place with my van and I was renting the shed and starting to build furniture um, professionally. Um, I say professionally with the finger quotes because I was still smoking pot at this stage (laughs) whilst, like, you know, starting to screw bits and pieces together. And, and yeah, I had, it was funny because when I was on the building site in Adelaide, I had all of the tools of all of the blokes I was working with, and then I rocked up here and I kind of went to the pawnbrokers and got myself a sheet sander a little bzz, sander i got a square and a drill and a hand saw and just started making stuff and that's that's kind of tell people is the premise to our upskiller introductory workshop mm. is like how do you start without kind of thinking you need to go and buy 10 grand's worth of tools and you don't know what tools you want this is the kind of the starting point once you can chop a piece square a piece of wood chop it screw stuff together you can make a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything on from that. All the other power tools is just about making things easier, really. Um, yeah.
0: I no, I love that. And I love the, the the resourcefulness. You know, it's kind of like, well, I'm I'm stuck here. Oh well, I actually like it here. You know, well, I better go and do something with myself. And what have I got? I've got nothing, but what can I? you know, pull together to actually make something. And I think that a lot of people do exactly what you said. You know, they look at, well, I haven't got all the things I need, therefore I just won't get started. You know, but you're yeah. like, well, I, I I can gather a few things together and I can do something with those few things and I can get started. So with your professional uh, woodworking, professional carpentry (laughs) doing, were you, were you, (laughs) were you then selling that stuff on to make, you know, to try and build up a business to make money or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was living with my friend, Ellen. She actually worked at Santos, the health, health food shop in Byron, and they needed a heap of stuff, a heap of like, seats and tables and shelves and so it just started and then it kept going kept going and then the guys next door to them had a shop and they wanted some stuff and then it just grew and grew and grew and at some point during that um during that time i met my um former partner now best friend co-facilitator absolute legend um stefan stefan's from germany and he's a joiner which is like very fine woodworking um, so we met and started hanging out. We worked together for about six months before we hooked up as a couple. And we were doing fit out and renovations, and then it grew into extensions and tiny homes, and and much larger scale stuff. Um, and then a few years into our seven year relationship, we headed over to Germany and worked in his dad's joinery workshop. So I just my my skill set it's kind of like this real spaghetti circus of stuff where i started out like architecture and then on the building site and then making my own stuff you small hand tools and then working with him in a in a fine joinery workshop um and then also did some stuff with um lovely pat gregory at woodwork for women um who's our vice president um of our organization um and yeah just started to learn like a different way of building. On the, on the building side, it seemed so kind of competitive and very macho, and I thought that because I was short and my muscles weren't very big, I thought I had to work twice as hard just to get paid the same amount as all of the other blokes on site. So it was during that time when I met Stefan and when I met Pat that something started to shift. Um, also, I noticed on the building site when I would be with one builder we'd kind of sit at lunch and the the hard shell would start to crack open and they'd be like, oh, you know, I'm uh, having a bit of trouble at home with the wife. And I'd be like, oh, tell me about that. And then something would happen where this there'd be a friendship, I guess. Mm. And then on site it would be like, oh, cool, let's help each other to help each other because we're working on the same job and it feels good actually to work as a team and support each other. Be like hey I have a really bad back today would you mind being the one getting on the ladder and it started I think that's when the shift kind of started to happen
0: mm. and it comes back to what you were saying before doesn't it about having conversations you know just just joining as two human beings do you know over the over the same job and it's um yeah, yeah it's beautiful yeah, I love yeah. It. Do you, are you still building small homes
1: I'm currently not building small homes. I'm waiting on, we're about to build our new shed and then we want to be running tiny house construction workshops over there. My focus at the moment has been a lot of paperwork, which is so much fun. It's like I tell, people ask me how it's going with all the paperwork to build the new shed. And I tell them that it's like a really, really slow chess game where you move one piece. (laughs) And then you just wait, you just wait the other team to move their piece and then you move the next piece so um yeah but living in this tiny home is really this tiny home is like two by three and a half meters it's tiny i walk into people's houses and i'm like oh the size of your pantry is the size of my house <laughs> um, but it's there's really this idea especially with this housing crisis and the level of homelessness this region i have this idea that surely people deserve at least this you know um, so tiny homes are coming at shedding I'm really excited to run those workshops
0: that's fantastic so at the minute you when you're talking about the paperwork and you know the new shed you're actually raising money at the moment you're trying to uh, get some funding to build a new shed And, and it-
1: yes so our new shed is going to be completely off grid my architecture degree came in handy in the design. And, of the new shed and I had some help from some, it's, it's just been volunteers galore, amazing support from volunteers, giving hundreds of hours to help um, design this thing, put it into 3D, send it off to an engineer, gone for a development application that we've got now, um, waiting on a couple of final approvals from the owners of the land. But what's great about this structure amongst many things is that it's gonna be completely off grid um, it's completely relocatable, so it's basically three shipping containers in a U format. All of the storage is in the containers, and the, those you know those big doors on the containers they fold all the way out, and they've got full of shelving, full of tools, and then all of the other sort of will be on benches with wheels, and that will all roll out on their trolley setups. Um, so it's completely off grid. So we're going to have a solar setup, rainwater collection um gray water filtration um compost toilets um and above ground reed bed systems so we're working with council to we've got the the um approval from the base for the basic structure and i said cool we can just stick a -a portal in there until you give us the approvals for all of the other stuff um so it's a huge process and the other thing we've just gone for is um it's called dgr status status however you might say that word um deductible gift recipient so that if somebody says cool i want to give you 10 grand we can say here's a tax receipt which is quite an important one in terms of the philanthropists who just seem to have money floating by and they <laughs> float it your way um so i'm really excited about that it's a fifty thousand dollar bill which is peanuts for a huge structure And it's going to give us um, the capacity to run workshops seven days a week. The space we use at the moment, they they run workshops. There's a wall and we're on this side of the wall in our space in the wall. On the other side of the wall, they do lots of other workshops that require quiet. And we're not quiet. So we've got availability to this space, sometimes three or four days a week. And when we get to the new space, we're very excited to run a plethora of workshops as opposed to our small kind of set of carpentry workshops. Mm. We'll be doing tiny homes, car maintenance, bike repair, hempcrete, bottle brick, relocatable structures, compost toilets, like you name it, we want to run it. Um, and nighttime workshops. I want to run a workshop called Why Not, where you learn how to tie knots whilst drinking wine.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's been very busy times with all of that and I'm just sort of keeping all the workshops going in the background, which is the, the kind of true love and then everything else is just that how do I keep that dream alive and make it bigger and better and, and facilitate more for more people.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and when you, you know, you've got the idea in your head but it, you haven't translated that to us yet. The three shipping containers in a U-shape, but it's... Um, has got a great big giant roof over top of
1: it. Uh, that's giant roof. It's over yeah. top of. It. So-, so if you imagine that your three containers in a U shape facing north, and then there's a roof that's pitched like this, and the northern, the northern pitch of the roof will have all the solar panels. Yeah, the roof is up and off the shipping containers, so there's actually more storage available on top of those shipping containers, for timbers and whatnot. Um, yeah, big roof, and then a pizza oven outside one of the shipping containers will be for timber storage that's a 20 footer the other 20 footer opposite it will opposite it that was hard to say opposite it will be for a sort of office um, kitchenette day bed hangout spot kind of like a really nice design space where you can hang out and design and then there's a really long 40 foot shipping container along the back which will be full of all of our tools and machinery which is going to be amazing because storage is a real um, challenge for us at the moment. You know, I started this organization as a "oh yeah, I'll do it one day a week" kind of thing, and it's just kind of shot off like a rocket. And we're getting donations of tools and materials, and we just really need more space to facilitate as much as we're being asked to facilitate from the from the community.
0: It, which, which shows that um, it's really needed, really, really needed. So when did you, what made you shift from um, Sophie's upcycling to, um, you know, having this idea, I think I can start running workshops and I'm going to call it the shedding, you know, so or shedding. So wh- wh- where, what happened? What, what was that transition? and What was the catalyst? Yeah. I ha-
1: Someone asked me this the other day and I sort of, you know, when you forget stuff and then someone asks you and you're like, oh, actually, you know what it was? Yeah. It was really nice moment I remember chatting I think I was chatting with Pat would work for women Pat and I remember saying like I love carpentry I love people really when I get on site it's often about the people I'm working with I'm you know we're building stuff great that's great I love it it's fun it's design it's great for people I love people and I remember saying to Pat um I love carpentry I want to run a workshop But I'm also thinking about like going on a tangent and studying psychology and mental health Mm. and counselling because I'm really passionate about this. And if it was her, I can't remember if it was. She said to me, start the workshop. Workshop. Don't go and study all that stuff. Start the workshop. You will learn about people. You will learn about mental health. You will learn everything you need to know. um, And it will guide you. So since starting the workshop, You know, I started it with the idea that it's about carpentry and bringing people together. And now it's actually shifted completely. And it's first about mental health. And it's brought me to this idea that everything is first about mental health. Like I want to do something from a place of feeling good. And if I'm not in that place of feeling good, that is the place to start my focus on. Um, So it's been a really amazing experience. And, And through that experience, when I was... At the start of setting up Shedding, when I was building my tiny home with Ken from the Repair Cafe, um, I got to volunteer with the Repair Cafe and do a training through them in mental health first aid. And then Ken's partner, Jana, runs training in nonviolent communication, which is from Marshall Rosenberg. Um, so I did that training. Um, and these are the two kind of foundational platforms on which Um, certainly my experience of shedding runs it's about how we feel and it's about how we communicate Um, and that was where I I think I started to get a taste of this I, I started to kind of I guess subconsciously understand this but not consciously understand this when I was working on the building sites with these blokes and they'd start to open up I guess because they felt safe to open up whereas they hadn't done that before and I'd be like you know when all the other blokes are here, why are you shouting at me and having a go? And they're like, you know, that's just what we do. And I was like, why? And I'd be like, I don't know. And my dad did that, I guess. And I don't really know otherwise. And I was like, what would be different, you know, if you spoke to me differently when all the other blokes are around? And I'd be like, well, oh, you know, I'll probably get teased for it. And they start to open up. And I was like, there is something here which is about like humans connecting with humans in a way that's really vulnerable. And what's great about the workshop space is people think that tools are hard. And I tell them that what's really, really hard is doing like a reverse parallel park in a car, (laughs) or like driving on the freeway at 100 and not thinking that the difference between life and death is holding your steering wheel straight and holding your steering wheel five degrees off. It's incredibly dangerous. But I think about association. I've driven my car for so long that I don't think every moment I'm about to die. Which I might think that if I've had a trauma around driving, I've had a car crash or something. So somebody's trying to call me. Nope, not going to be happening right now. I'm a popular lady this morning. It's Monday. Um, sorry about that. That's all right. It's one of my students, hopefully, volunteering more time for the festival that we're building at the moment. Oh, fantastic. Um, But, yeah, the mental health thing, it's just been such a ride. People come to shedding, and we kind of have this saying that you hang your cloak of life at the door, and it's like a respite. It's like you come and you get on the tool. And I just just thought that all of the crazy people were coming to shedding. And then I realised everyone's crazy. Everyone's got their stuff. Everyone's got their baggage. They've got their traumas they've got their pains like to go life, to go through life without having like any pain I think being human part of being human is to to deal with pain and humans are incredibly resilient whether it is like dissociating from stuff and putting it in a box so that we can carry on presenting in the world as normal um, but the people who come into the space I, I realize that they open up and they talk about The cloak of life that they hung at the door, Um, and sometimes people don't talk about the cloak of life that they hung at the door. They just come in and make stuff, and somehow, like the tools are the metaphor, and the timber is the metaphor, and they don't need to talk about an argument they had with their partner or that their mum told them blah blah. You know, everyone's got their stuff, Um, and I'm not as much as I think that um, therapy is very important. It's been very important for me to keep my head together. I tend to keep being a normal um, person with capacity to carry everything that I do. It's like my fallback is like landing at the doorstep of my therapist and being like, oh, God, I know I did this a month ago, but what am I doing again? Like, just remind me of everything. Can we put all the jigsaw puzzle pieces back together? Um, But for some people, it can be an incredibly... um, heavy and challenging process to sit in someone to sit in front of someone that says and how does that make you feel and tell me about your relationship with your mother and tell me about when you ran away from that like that is really full on and some people are just like hey I just want to come and hang out and have a good time somewhere and know that I'm in a place where I feel safe and um, I rabbit on about this all the time but it's really the basis of this space and I think From running this space, I start to understand that it could really be the basis of a lot of spaces that are about community and bringing people together to have a a really central kind of what we've got here is a set of values that um, allow people to feel safe emotionally and physically.
0: I love the idea of what you're doing, you know, and, and giving people just that safe space and being being able to choose whether they talk about it or choose whether they don't talk about it, but just yeah. to be part of a community that accepts them, you know, and doesn't put any pressure on and just lets them be and lets them sort through, sort through their feelings and emotions as they're doing something constructive. I, I, I absolutely love that. Do you think mm-hmm. that people are attracted to shedding because um and, and it, this might not be something that they're actually thinking in their mind you know conscious of or it could be an unconscious thing do you think yeah. they're attracted because of the safe space
1: you know more I wonder about this hey because I think I think there's a total um mix of people that come to shedding I think there are people that I have this joke that we trick people into thinking it's carpentry workshop and <laughs> a mental health facility, which it's a mental health facility. It's a place where people come and hang out. And I want to acknowledge the importance of therapists. When someone comes into a space, I'm not there to hold. I'm there to hold a safe space. Yep. sometimes i don't have the skills or the training that um a therapist or a psychologist has to work through complex things that are going on in the brain um so sometimes people come to a workshop and we're kind of going through things and i'm like cool you're really welcome in this space i hear where you're at sounds like you might need some extra support that this space can't offer you so i totally acknowledge like where i've gone to um to people within my support network who are trained in those sorts of things. And I think, oh my gosh, thank goodness you read all the books and did all the work because you can do the thing where I'm figuring out my brain with you. Um, But the space that we have, I think there are people who see the website, say I'm going on Google and I look up carpentry workshop and I find shedding. People come in from that avenue where they're really wanting a space to get to know the tools. I think a lot of people who come to shedding um there's a lot of word of mouth Mm. and people come to shedding and they say oh I I, it comes and say how did you hear about shedding oh you know my friend Jess told me about shedding and I said what does she say (laughs) she said oh you know it's carpentry workshop and it's all about mental health and I think cool so people are prioritizing this when they talk about it in a you know in description of what is shedding it's not just like oh you can go and build some stuff there it's like, oh, it's all about mental health, um, and so it's sort of, um, it is about tools and it is about the timber. That is what we're doing. But that's the, that's the process. That's the tangible thing. That's the kind of avenue towards um, positive mental health and also community connection, especially during a time like this, like when all the, all the COVID malarkey kicked off. Our workshop was has never been so busy. Because people were bumming off job seeker and job keeper, and kind of thinking about, well, what's my purpose? I don't need to go and work. In fact, I can't go to work, and so I want to do something that I feel, yeah, um, a sense of purpose, a sense of productivity. Like I'm capable of something, and that was when we had a lot of people come through. We've had now, I think, 800 students in almost years. It's Shedding's birthday on the 10th of May. Wow. And mine on the 6th. So I have a joint birthday party for Shedding and me, and it's great because all of our Shedders are friends anyway. Um, but, yeah, so many students, and they sort of say the same thing around their mental health. People kind of drop in and they're like, oh, I was just in a car crash. And I'm like, what, what are you doing here? They're like, well, I just wanted to have a cup of tea and talk to someone for a few minutes. And I'm like, come on in. Here's some ginger nut biscuits, Come on. Um so i just love that i love that people come and that they they feel safe and i think there's something in it that the alignment of oh, carpentry and mental health because of all this stereotyped like oh carpentry like ooh, you've got to be good and strong and and yeah all of this stuff around needing to have like a, a strong body um and a strong mind and our thing is that it's accessible to all people so when we've got someone who's much older and they've got arthritis or chronic fatigue or you know all this stuff that's going on in their body I say you are capable of this if you can't hold that tight enough that's what a clamp is for and and way stronger than I am so I can just adapt my the circumstances in the environment around me to support me and I think that this is a really big lesson in life uh, not just in the workshop that cool you can't do that let's find another way to make that possible um, and that runs through as well in the in the tools that we're using They're tools that I am very familiar with and therefore very familiar and um, comfortable to teach um, they are as much as possible uh, cordless tools which means they're only 18 volt instead of 240 volt which means that when a circular saw might kick back our circular saws do that thing where you know when you try and pick up a chicken and it just goes "Mm," and shakes on the spot that's what circular saw does so it kind of um it's a nice way to start with tools that feel um very easy and accessible for people like to hold um no cables running around tripping people up um to create really create an environment where people feel safe and that when they think I'm a bad person, I can't use this tool. It's actually because they're using a 20-year-old table saw and the fence isn't straight and the blade is blunt and it's not a good tool. Mm. Using high tools with sharp blades, Mm. um, it should be quite straightforward. And I say to the students, as soon as you get resistance, as soon as you get resistance, just pause and let your intuition be like, hang on a sec. Because I tell people about forwards and reverse on the drill and they laugh at me, and then they're trying to put a screw in, and the screw's not going in. And so they just press the button harder and harder and harder. And I just say, Hey, are you in finger forwards or thumb reverse? And they, Oh, 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 I'm just in reverse because you're so focused. Kind of, you got the what are those things you put on horses? Blinkers. <laughs> blinkers. You've got your blinkers on. You're so focused. About getting this screw in, that you can't tell it's on reverse. And why would you? Nobody's shown you that before. You might not have used a drill before. Um, and so, these really important things, I think, around trusting your intuition and, and pausing and reflecting. And my friends talk about this kind of Qigong approach, where it's like really grounded and slow, but there's real intent in any movement and a real grounded sort of body centered approach which the spiritual and hippies love of course
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i i love all my power tools and i'm very competent on them but i but i i do have a lot of people i know who would who just say i'd never use that i would never use a chainsaw i don't know how you use that circular saw because i would never do it what if it what if it does this what if it does that and it's the same as what you're saying it's just 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 think, you know, you have to think and just be in the moment. I love the idea of not having cords kicking about because, you know, when I use my circular saw, you know, I've got the cord around my neck so it's out of the way and it's bloody dangerous. So um, I, I love that idea. It's uh, And I love that when you're talking about the breathing too. And I, I don't know if it's, if it's qigong or whatever, but I, I do this when I'm splitting wood. And mm. you breathe in when you lift the, ax, the, the splitter up and you... Ooh, you make this really cool noise, you yeah. Know, and your breath when you split, and it splits ten times easier. It's it, there's hardly any effort in splitting the wood when you're doing that action at the same time. It's I don't yeah. know if it's qigong, but it's definitely good.
1: It's, it's bloody everything. I think I think I've heard about it in terms of meditation, in terms of yoga, in terms of all sorts of sports mm. and training. And I really tell people like instead of thinking about your muscle mass about the the material that we're using this timber it grows as a tree and by some fucking amazing fluke of nature it gives us oxygen and we breathe it in and that pumps blood around our body so just breathe just breathe it on in it's like your fuel you can breathe so much of it that you can just get high on it and pass out like it's an amazing thing and so I just tell people like when we do the upskill intro and they're soaring we do this sawing segment to get them really feel their body. Like it's not about your muscle. It's just about this um, joint in your shoulder and your elbow, and you're just moving it back and forwards like the, the wheels on a train carriage. And to do that, your elbow needs to be at the side of your body and your arms running at the side of your body and breathe. So I tell them, instead of cutting this timber, I want you to stroke the timber with the saw. And it changes everything and they say i never i never cut wood like this before it's quite romantic <laughs> and like a, a drag back and the breath in and then a push forward and the breath out if you're using a saw that cuts on the push if you're using a japanese pull saw i remember what pat said is you reverse the chi and you bring the energy into you which when i learned that from her years ago i was fresh off the building site and i thought oh my god what is this rubbish? Me about and then I used a Japanese saw and I was like, oh, it really is that. It's really about the intent and the focus um, rather than this like unguided force that we push around aimlessly. Yeah. Which
0: we all do. And and I love the bit about the body, you know, feeling your body, because how many of us are resistant to that? You know, we, we have a backache and we have a headache and a bit of a sore hip. Yeah. And we just kind of keep, oh, look, I'll just take painkillers. I'll just ignore that because I've got stuff to do. And if, yeah. if we did spend time, and, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, well, we're all guilty of it. Me too. Me too. <laughs> if we did spend the time, though, feeling, oh, I got so back and breathed into it and started to feel, well, what, what's that about? You know, why? Just took 10 minutes out to say, well, what's that about? What's going on that's causing this? We would be in such a better place, but we don't do it. We've, I can't. I haven't got time, and I'm guilty of but I,
1: I sometimes I think I am the most guilty of it. I think if I took twenty seconds, even if I took ten seconds to pause and breathe, that can feel like a very long time. Yeah. And I find myself in these situations where I'm like, go, 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 go. I'm like this Torian ADHD, Duracell, you know the bunny on the Duracell dads? Yeah. I'm like that. I sleep really well at night, but during the day, I'm like, go, 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 go. And I remember a friend saying to me long ago, work smarter, not harder. And I thought, you're an asshole. Leave me alone. And he is totally right. And it stuck with me. This was back in uni, my friend Mac. And um, it's really stuck with me. And I find myself pushing against a brick wall so hard. And then to the left is my, oh, that's not my left. That's my left. To the left is a metaphorical door that I could just open and walk through. But I push so hard against this. And it's. I hear myself saying to myself, if I could take on the values that I teach every day. I repeat these things every day, but there is something that can be so challenging for it to go in. And and that's the part I'm really interested in, particularly in this space, because I don't choose who comes here. I get all mixes of people. um, And there's, I think I can say always in this situation, there's always a place of connection. And for people to come to this understanding, it's a different avenue until the penny drops um, where they go, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I always want to find that avenue, whether it is through a conversation or whether it's through tactile hands-on or whether it's through listening, touching, feeling, hearing, having the tool in your hand, repeating something over and over again. Some people like to take photos or videos and watch back and repeat and repeat. And this connection between the mind and the body, and also the memory and that long-term memory where things just drop in. And I think that's where our sort of tagline comes from with this um shed your fears and build with curiosity. It's really about, I just want to teach them to be curious. Mm. I say that there, there's there is every week, every day, a new product popping up that we'll be working with. There is a new tool, there's always something to learn there is no stupid question there are only questions and to have the to have the courage to ask the stupid question that's how you're going to get answers so to just sit back be um, afraid and not jump into it people ask the most simple questions and i'm like this is great to know the answer to that question you have to ask the question um, so I'm, I'm so proud and honored to see the courage in each student that rocks up here and says, hang on a sec, why does this happen? <laughs> the wiggle on the tape measure is the very th- first thing we do in upskill, it's the metaphor that there are no stupid questions. The tape measure wiggles, yeah. like the metal piece on the end, it wiggles by like a millimeter. Yeah. I say to the students, do you know why this happens? And they say, no. And I said, neither did I. And I didn't have the balls to ask the guys on site. When I rocked up for my first day of work, I bought a tool belt and I bought a tape measure and a pencil. So I would look like I had some sort of validity to be on site. <laughs> um, and I didn't have the balls to ask them like, why does my tape measure end wiggle? And lucky for me, YouTube existed. So I just YouTubed it. But most students I say, why does the tape measure wiggle? And they say, I don't know. And I say, doesn't that seem like a silly question? But it's not. If you want to know why it happens, you have to come to a workshop, or you can YouTube it for your free, free easy version. But it's much meaning if you come into our workshop and but all those things like that, all those tricks. Like, how do you point your pencil into the ruler that you don't get that little half a millimeter gap? Yeah. How do you hold a square? How do you hold a saw? how do you put something through a table saw? How do I even identify like the the timber that I'm working with? We're working with recycled materials. They've already had a life and we're taking this recycled piece of trash and turning it into something that has value again. And I think there's a huge metaphor about that and about people who've experienced shame in their lives and they're coming through and having a sense of self-worth again there are lots of little metaphors that carry through in terms of the materials and the the movements and the way we work together in that space.
0: Oh, I absolutely love it. And I love the fact that um you know people can come and feel safe and I love the sense of community. I love the building and I love the fact that women can be there and now I even love the fact that you're saying that men don't have to feel that pressure that they have to build everything. I love that as well. It hadn't crossed my mind but thank you for sharing that mm. but i really particularly love the sense of community that you're building and you just absolutely love it now i ask this question for everybody um it's because the podcast is to inspire people to get off the bench and have, and you've done that in in multiple multiple ways and without even knowing that uh what's coming up next but you've done it what advice would you give to somebody who has a real passion for something but doesn't know where to start
1: um get off the bench what would i say i think it's really find someone that inspires you just grab on, grab onto the tail of their shirt and say show me show me something um it's an incredible thing to to give i was just talking to a student yesterday about what's called the 12 steps and you get to the 12th step and it's about giving it's about giving to community it's, it's for me in terms of my sense of purpose this workshop which I offer so much to so many people it really just validates my sense of purpose for myself I feel like wow I have a reason for living I have a reason for doing what I'm doing it's the most important I think sometimes it doesn't matter what you do it it's about how you do it Um, if you need help reach out if you're passionate go and jump on it um even if it's just one little step in a certain direction um I think everything counts yeah
0: yeah 100 percent. and it's those tiny steps isn't it and the tiny steps of um even trust you know I'm just going to step here and I'm just going to trust and see what happens and I love the bit you're saying too about well I love all of it but I love the bit you know about giving and I think that if we when we were passionate about something we want to start if we if we Take that sort of thought about, well, who am I serving? Am I helping somebody? You know, how can I give and how can I contribute beyond myself? I think everything falls in place. I I really, I really, I really believe the universe just has your back when you um you you focus on making the world a better place for other people and making it safe. And I love
1: to return, I love to return to our very first value of shedding, which is about mistakes. Our first value is celebrate your mistakes my idea of you know getting out and into the world there's something about this ridiculous adult that we're going to get things right and for me it's about getting things wrong there is something about children like they're not just going to hop up on two feet and walk and that's it well done well done you can walk now they're going to get up and they're full fall over fall over fall over fall over and then at some point they didn't fall over that one time great And then they fall over, fall over, fall over, fall over. Oh, and then twice in a row, they didn't fall over. And I think there's something about returning to this childlike attitude of, I'm probably going to get it wrong. And that's totally cool. And sometimes, especially in carpentry, the mistake is actually a moment of genius in disguise. And your whole design is about to change into something even cooler than you thought it would be. And I tell the students that this idea of perfection, which is something that I learned to a T in the workshop in Germany um to my own high degree of anxiety um, perfection I think is lesser than this skill of being flexible and adaptable not just in the workshop but in the world around us and make mistakes show people celebrate them tell them about where you went wrong lots of my mistakes are a way that I can help educate other people I'm like you know what I did it that way and this is what happened try it this way and they'll make their own mistakes in that process and I think that that's a really big one to to lose the shame around the idea that we're going to get it wrong because you're going to get it wrong and it's going to be great
0: yeah uh yeah I've made so many mistakes I've failed failed endlessly and I do I I share it with when I do talks and stuff like that because I it's kind of I, I just want to say to people who cares you know like you oh, I've made so many mistakes I have screwed up so many times and yet I'm still here and I'm still okay you know and everything has turned out way better so it's it almost gives people permission that oh yeah okay then I'll, I'll just go I'll just have a crack and and see where it goes but oh well Sophie, I've loved this. I absolutely love what you're doing. I love the whole, I love your energy. I love your passion. I love your, your care for other people. You know, I love, love your sort of your, your, I'll call it mother duck, but that's, I'm not saying that in a package, but Your mother duck kind of way of gathering people and uh, and putting your wings around them and absolutely loving them. And there needs to be more people like you, you know, doing that for the commu- community and keeping community together and and really making making people feel like they're valuable and they're worthy and that they have a place to be and a sense of belonging. And I I think that, you know, that that you might just just be doing uh, carpentry, but underneath, as you said, you know, there is so much there that is so valuable and so needed and so contributing to a better world. So I, I, nothing but praise for you. I think that what you're doing is is, sensational. So you've got to tell us
1: where can people find you? Oh, I get sparkly tears in my eyes and I feel my (laughs) ego just like, you know, those mattress foot pumps. (laughs) Ego is just like, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much. So you should. So you should. (laughs) We are currently located at 91 Main Arm Road in Mullumbimby, which people tend to think is out in the sticks out the back of Mullumb, but it's actually like a hop, skip and a jump from the showground where the farmer's markets are on a Friday we're out the back there we run plenty of workshops um we're looking for 50 grand if someone's just got that floating around they want to throw it our way we have so much we want to do with it we're actually doing a um a build i'm running the build crew for renew fest a fantastic little festival around the corner at the showground um next weekend which is all about renewal generation we're building all sorts of sculptural things for that so we've got so much so much on the go um we've got Facebook as per everyone these days and we have an amazing website that was designed by one of our volunteers who just gave so much time to create something that looks highly professional shedding.com.au don't go to shedding.com I think they sell dog food or something that's awful. Um, so yeah we've just got the shed out the back here um if people want to come along what we like them to do is sign up for upskill upskill is the intro it's an induction we tell you all about our values and it means that everyone facilitators students mentors volunteers they all come through upskill so we all agree to the same set of values yeah. um, so that's that's what I say to people that's your doorway in that's the place to start um, we've also got Repair Cafe here on Saturday afternoons. We do electrical repairs, sewing repairs, you name it, we, we will try. Um, so, yeah, that's another nice thing to sort of drop in on. Mm. Um, and then a bunch of other events all over the place.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. I don't know how many listeners we've got up Mullumbimby Way, but um, I tell you, if anyone's moving up there or going up there for a holiday or staying up there or doing whatever, please call in and see Sophie. And as she said, the website shedding.com.au and Facebook is uh, Shedding Community Workshop and Insta is Shedding Community Workshop. So please follow along and, you know, check out everything that Sophie and the gang are doing because uh, what a remarkable thing. And, yeah, I just, I just love 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 what you're giving back to the community absolutely love it and keeping everyone together you're just the glue that's holding the community together and that's
1: um (laughs) it's it's me there are there are lots of amazing organizations as there are in the world in this country in this shire um it's so great to be a part of them and um and also to invite people here for a holiday come for a weekend go surfing, go and visit all the waterfalls, come and do a workshop. I've got mates, they come down from Brizzy, from the sunny coast, up from Sydney, up from Melbourne. It's just nice to get out and explore place, places and this is a beautiful part of the world to, yeah. to come and hang out.
0: And it's good to have an, a holiday with an experience, an experiential getaway. I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, when my mum came up from uh, from Adelaide, I threw her into Pat's Woodwork for Women workshop for the weekend, keep her busy for <laughs> a while great
0: <laughs> that's
1: fantastic
0: <laughs> that's fantastic well I hope people do get up that way if I ever come up that way I'm going to drop in but geez I tell you it's been a long time between trips lately with bloody COVID but uh, fingers crossed we can start moving around again soon but Sophie I've absolutely loved this thank you so much for joining us and I know you've got a bunch of volunteers out there that you've left with paintbrushes because you think that's safe well I'm not sure but I'm
1: <laughs> it's, it's water based it's only water based (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: good well i'll let you get back to your volunteers but um i so appreciate so appreciate your time and love it love it so much yeah
1: thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of get off the bench i'm just really honored and it's really great to meet you and talk about similar interests and inspirations good on you
0: my pleasure all right well i'll catch you soon and hopefully in person
1: yeah ciao for now thank
0: you see ya Oh, guys, how good is that? I love that so much. I love what Sophie's doing. And in particular, well, I love the woodwork. I love all that sort of stuff as well. But I really particularly love the fact that she's building a safe space for the community to come and just to be accepted and to feel a sense of belonging and to be part of of something together. And as she says, you know, using the tools as a way of sort of, you know, Uh, I don't know, finding a space where I can have a conversation and it's not, the focus isn't on me. The focus is on the tool, but I'm still able to share my life and share my feelings and share my emotions and just be safe in a beautiful place. I absolutely love it. If you can help in any way too, you know, help them towards building their new facility, that would be fantastic as well. The um, information is on their website, which I'll share in the show notes. And Oh, I I really love it. And the fact that she just sort of got in a camper van, had all these set of mishaps, landed in a place, um, took a a set of a few tools, started something, and now she has built a community. Never doubt that, um, you know, a step in the right direction will end up being something great. You know, I think sometimes we're like, well, I don't know what my purpose is. Sometimes we actually just have to let the universe drop us into our purpose. And, you know, we, we build a life of intent. I I really think that if your intention is to make the world a better place, your intention is to help other people, I think you can't go wrong. I think that you're taken care of. But that's my opinion. And I might be wrong. But I From what I've seen, I don't think I am. Anyway, that's it. Um, Thank you for joining me again this week. You guys mean the world to me. Uh, I have no idea half the time who's out there listening, but I love the fact that you tune in and I love the fact that you care about um, listening to these stories of people who have backed themselves. If you've got something to do, please go back yourself because life's short and... The universe takes care of people who just get out there and put their best foot forward. So anyway, that's it for me, and I will catch you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.